You can do stuff. You can move things. Uh, but do me a favor, uh, and I'm quoting Ghostbusters now, don't become a vaporous uh, apparition. I don't want to see you. Yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? I don't need to see you, and the same thing goes for an alien. Welcome to Conversely, the show that's like a cocktail party for minds, except instead of mixing drinks, we're stirring up ideas. I'm your host, Scott Strosel, and I'm excited to introduce you to my three guests who have unique, or you could say converse, backgrounds, and I'm excited to see what sort of concoctions we can create. So, on with the introductions, or maybe we should call them aperitifs. <laughs> All right, so first up, you may recognize the second most famous Cam Fowler from our first episode. Cam is not a hockey player, <laughs> but is a sales manager at a medicated animal feed company. Hopefully I got that right this time. Yeah. Is that correct? Good enough. Okay. Last time I, I pulled his description from LinkedIn and it was outdated. So, <laughs> But it, the, the LinkedIn one sounded better, so more impressive. I, yeah. I think you're just dumbing it down for, for conversation. <laughs> I'm just a salesman. That's all. All right. Uh, and, and next up, joining us from the future over in Hong Kong, Joyce Tsang is a content marketer and the founder of Joyce Tsang Content Marketing. You were a reporter and an editor. I think I saw you used to be a dancer and a dance instructor back in the day, and now you've started your own marketing business. So it sounds like you do a little bit of everything. Kind of like you. Yeah, yeah that's true. I do a little bit of everything. That's a good point. Yep. So content marketing, so you just help people with their content for their brand and help it be, I guess, productive for their brand. Is that a good way to say that? How would you describe what you actually do with content? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I don't want to go through the whole in-depth kind of lecture style of what sure. content marketing is, but essentially what we're trying to do here is to help brands figure out what story they should be telling. So content, like you said, it could be pretty much anything. This is a piece of content, online social media posts are content, offline interactions are content, but it's really about digging out what story they should be telling so that they become top of mind for their target audiences. So boiling all that down, that's essentially what it is to attract these cool people to to these people's brands and um, by storytelling is the sense of content marketing. Nice. Cool. All right. And finally, Calvin Schwartz is a journalist, a novelist, and a broadcaster, and currently serves on the advisory committee of Women's Health Institute at Rutgers Medical School. And somehow with all that, you also find the time to do your own podcast called Conversations with Calvin, We the Species. And I really like this comment from you. You said, I thrive on reinvention after 60. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Should I define that? Uh, sure, go for it. I'll define it. Uh, well, I worked for an eye eyewear company, the biggest eyewear company in the world, Luxottica Group, for 25 years. Prior to that, I was a pharmacist. And then uh, at 65, the universe kind of reeled me in and it made me write my first novel. And then I decided to retire, but not retire. So I became a journalist uh, at 65, 12 years ago. And then I became a broadcaster. And then um, I uh, got involved with the Women's Health Institute uh, and became a, an advisor, a social media advisor uh, at, the, at the Rutgers Robert Johnson Medical School. And then all the things I was doing, decided to give back to students and then Rutgers grabbed me uh, uh, three years ago and asked me to teach. Uh, so I became a professor at 77. Uh, and now I'm a podcaster. And then, of course, I showed you. And I'm Yeah, I was going to say, you're about to release a book, right? Yep. In four weeks, uh, there's a tortoise in my hair, A Journey to Spirit, will be published. It got phenomenal reviews from Kirkus. So all of that began after I turned 65. Very nice. So I'm a great believer in reinvention, because uh, when you turn in your 70s, it doesn't mean you're going to sit on a front porch drinking prune juice on the rocks in a rocking chair. So that's what that means, Scott. And you you said your book is being released, went three weeks, did you say? So it should be coming out right about the same time as this episode then. Yeah, it, it'll be on Amazon and just about anywhere you can buy books online. And, and so wherever people are listening to this podcast, the... Wherever the show notes are on where you're listening to this podcast, you can find links to his book. So. It's Cal it'll, it will be CalvinSchwartz.com. There you go. CalvinSchwartz.com. Perfect. That makes it easy. Yep. Well, I like the title. There's a Thank tortoise you. in my hair. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it is funny. It's I enjoy a, a good pun, so. It's a great pun. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, so I have, I think, an interesting question to discuss. Um, so uh, as Cam experienced on the first episode, I like to just kind of surprise you and not give you a chance to prepare because uh, I, I think part of how you approach a question is as interesting as your resulting answer, right? If you spent a week thinking about it and gave me an answer, that's not nearly as interesting as talking through it. So here's my hypothetical question for you. Aliens have taken over planet Earth, okay? And they are putting humans in zoos. What do you want in your zoo enclosure? I'm pretty sure aliens have already taken over the Earth, right? Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, probably on, pretty unlikely, right? But let's assume, assume it happened. What would you want? What's first, what's first things you can think of that you want to have in your zoo enclosure? I'd want to be in there with some other people. I mean, I'm a, I'm a person who thrives on interaction like this, and I enjoy usually the company of other people. And so I think to be in there by myself would be probably the worst thing I can come up with. You know, solitary confinement comes to mind. So I would want some other people in there. Hopefully people I liked, but, <laughs> but it would be good. Be right. good in there, be in there with some other, some other people. For sure. Uh, I second that. I second that. I, I, I would want... You know, there was a, a, a great book, um, Kurt Vonnegut, you know, Slaughterhouse-Five, and there's a scene in the movie, uh, and that's when you posed this question, Scott, I, I thought about that, where uh, Billy Pilgrim uh, uh, is, is whisked away to this planet Tralfamador, and, and uh, he's put into a, a, a kind of a cage. It's just like you said, he's put into a cage with um, this, I'm trying to remember her name. It was very, um, it'll come to me. But anyway, uh, they gave him uh, a woman uh, to be with him in a cage. So uh, because I'm of the male persuasion, I probably want company and probably would want uh, opposite sex company to begin with. Yeah, that makes total sense. And actually, if you think about, you know, we have zoos that we put animals in, right? Uh, one of the things that we often do is either give them opposite sex company or not, depending on what you're trying to achieve there. But uh, yeah, that's definitely, it, it wouldn't be surprising if that was one of the things that they did. Yeah. And I'd like access to the internet. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, I'm addicted. Assuming there is internet, because if all assuming, the humans are in zoo, I don't know. Yeah. Assuming there is, and of course, some right. reading material. Fast food, basically, you know, all the all the conveniences that uh, I've enjoyed, I'd, I'd like in in that kind of environment. Uh, sure. Um, and by the way, uh, comment. Uh, it's not a preposterous question that you asked. It's not. I just had a discussion with uh, a fellow from Vancouver because I he's a philosopher, and and, and I brought up the the notion that. On the bottom of the ocean floor, recently they found, the government found some stuff, some, uh, like metal, but it wasn't from this earth. They, you know, Congress is trying to get the government to release a lot of stuff, you know, they're keeping secret. Uh, and, and actually, I'm kind of glad they do keep that stuff secret. I'm not in the mood to know about that. Yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? Oh, yeah. D don't tell me about it. But it's, you know, it, it's very propitious, that question you asked, because it, it's not that I, I don't think it's that far removed. I mean, I mean, it's possible. It seems unlikely, but it's certainly possible. So what's your what's your first thought, Joyce? What's the first thing you think? Oh, well, I definitely need this. I actually went and thought about the whole idea of a zoo. Right. So even before thinking about what I would prefer in a zoo setting, I was really thinking about how the zoo would actually look like. So like Cam sure. mentioned like solidarity or are you actually in some sort of enclosure that kind of mimics your whole environment just to showcase your real contextual life to visitors who probably don't maybe doesn't know much about how we are 
or is it going to be something that's more like a like a performative art kind of aspect where they invite somebody that might be from their own species or other species and you know they host something like this like you know go and talk to cam and joyce and kelvin and see what it's like so i i was you know trying to trying to write off of other people's ideas but at the same time i think i really went into the whole def definition or the whole idea of what a zoo would look like before I even have the chance to really consider what I would like in there. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah so that, that would be something that I would think about. And at, at the end of the day, I think if the whole zoo setting isn't even going to be what we consider a zoo nowadays, then, right. you know, may, maybe it's that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking a little deep on your question as well. But I definitely went straight to that. <laughs> sure. No, that's certainly true. So, you know, we think about our zoos, right, with animals. Sometimes it's just like a cage with an animal in it. Sure. But there are some zoos that are, I mean, just like you said, designed to mimic their normal environment. And there might be a large open area that just is just like their normal environment, but with a fence around it. Right. Definitely. And so, yeah. Are you going to have a little, is it going to be almost like a little fifth of an acre with a tiny house on it and, you know, like an in-town lot? And is it going to look like what your natural habitat is? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good exactly. question. Exactly. With yeah, a little yeah. mailbox and white picket fence, you know, the, the stereotype of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, now it looks like kind of like, I would imagine like a Wes Anderson movie, like some sort of yeah. surrealistic thing that's happening. And I'm like there waving and then, you know, my dogs are there at the door as well as like, you know, they have no clue what the hell is going on, but we're living in the same house, you know, listening to the right, same music, right. eating the same food, um, but we're in a zoo. So yeah, that might be interesting. I don't know. Obviously, I don't want to be in a zoo anytime soon as one right, of the participants, right. but, you know, it, it might be that. It might be that. Then we might not even know the difference. I might not have to even tell you what, what I need there because I already have basically have all that I need. Yeah. Is your zoo, is this, is it like you're in a just a, a small town and you can't, there's a big wall around it? Is that what a zoo enclosure looks like for a person? I mean, maybe that's not the end of the world. I don't know. Who knows what it would look like, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I could just hear the aliens with their, their narration, you know, and our houses look exactly like they do now. And they're like, this is the... Joyce Sang and her native habitat, you know, just going about your business, doing your thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the life of somebody who works from home, as invented yeah. after the yeah. disease called COVID. You know, right. you can see here, this other person has a very different lifestyle, even though they also work from home. I don't know, maybe that's something that they would narrate. Well, and that's a good point. <laughs> you know, I said uh, a, a fifth of an acre with a tiny house and a white picket fence and a mailbox, but that's kind of because of where I live, that's what I imagine a stereotypical home would be like. In other parts of the world, it's going to be completely different, obviously. Yeah. I don't have a picket fence. I would love to have that. I have sure, a very sure. small little thing around my house, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and there's tons of people who don't even have a house. They live in apartments or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, would a zoo, would a zoo be like an apartment building with big windows on the walls so you can go up the apartment building and look at all of the people in their apartments? <laughs> I don't know what it would look like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys are fans of Netflix and stuff, but I watch quite a bit of just like, sometimes it's junk, it's just stuff on it. Um, there's this show, if I, if I recall correctly, it's called Future Of. So they just kind of go in and talk about the future of different things. And one of them was like architecture. And what they kind of propose as a theoretical idea uh, after, t you know, 2050 is that we're, we'll be starting to grow um, buildings. So we'll be using bio, you know, a biological matter, so plants. You'll be growing it in a mold, that sort of stuff. And then you'll grow this building. And That's then everybody... Everybody's kind of uh, living within this unit. I don't even know if you call it an apartment, but like a unit of thing. And your whole ecosystem and all the things that you need is in there, but you're taking the lift. So instead of walking to your nearest grocery store, you might go to level 55 and that's where your groceries are. And maybe that's the, that's what it would look like. You know, if you went to level 71, there's the exhibit of humankind. I, I don't know, but... <laughs> And of course, who knows what these aliens would be like, what they're, how they move, how they, you know... Can they fly? Do they fly. take elevators? I don't know. Who knows, right? They crawl up the outside of the building and look in the Who knows what it would be like? Yeah, how they would. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, so let's assume you're in some sort of an enclosed area. Um, what I mean, this is kind of like you're stranded on a desert island, right? Similar type of question in some ways. What What do you want to have with you? What are What are some things? So we want to be able to communicate with people for sure, right? We want interaction with people. 
Um, whether that's other people in our enclosure or maybe there's uh, doors that can open between, you know, like uh, like adjoining rooms in a hotel. You wanted access to the internet. What other kind of things? We're a social species. And I think about this uh, all the time. Uh, you know, I think about the hereafter. And I think about uh, if I go to the hereafter, which is similar to being in a cage. Uh, the hereafter, a cage... I thought about the notion that I love my college sports, my Rutgers football, basketball, and I thought about, well, if I go to the hereafter, whatever that is, and, and I'm there, and again, I'm in a cage, and I have, the, I have the capability of watching my alma mater play football or basketball, is it really going to be a lot of fun? Is it going to be really enjoyment uh, if I'm alone and I can't share that that being a spectator with other people, the socialization. Sure. Uh, Part uh, of being a fan is the, the community with the other yes. fans, right? Yes. So again, uh, going back to what I said earlier, uh, one of the key elements is, uh, uh, you know, if I'm in that 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 cell, that room, whatever, uh, I, I, I just like a whole bunch of company. Yeah. And then it's not even uh, it's not even a cell. It, it, it might even be kind of nice. If they're giving you food and they're providing everything yeah, for you, sure. yeah, maybe that could know. be nice as long as I have the as long as I have that socialization uh, aspect. And I guess that's why when you're really bad in prison, I put you in solitary. Because that's a huge it's a it's a big penalty. Yeah. I'll head the other direction for a little for everybody has, you know, enough social interaction and sometimes you need some downtime. Right. And Scott, you know, I know a little about you. So you and I are big music fans. So I'm going to say I need some music. Um, you know, I need a guitar. Yeah. A guitar, maybe some, you know, some or some uh, headphones and some, you know, my my selection of music for my uh, all my digital digital collection. That would be great. So, yeah, music for me would be. A must. Yeah, in fact, so Cam was on the first episode, um, and Joe Lynn, another person who was on the first episode with us, I was actually just talking to her the other day, and she she just started at college, and she got her guitar. She hadn't had it for a little while, and she referred to her guitar as her therapy. It was her therapy guitar, because <laughs> she, she likes to just mm -hmm. kind of unwind and play it a little bit, and you know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think music, sports are both things that I would want in some capacity, whether watching sports, playing sports playing music, listening to music, you know, some, something for sure. I want to jump onto the idea that Cam just brought up. And I think that's like, it hit a spot in me as well, where, you know, uh, when a lot of people felt like it was really hard to go through COVID and, you know, isolation and all that kind of stuff. It might sound a bit evil, but I was like, it's nice. Like I get to have yeah. my own space and, you know, I don't have to go out for meeting. I personally, I was I, the same way. I hate going to physical meetings. I never see the point of it if we can do it online or if it can be conversed in an email. It's more just like finding an easier way for some other people who doesn't, I, you know, no offense, but, you know, who, who wants to just kind of dwell and linger a bit longer than you need to when it comes to, you know, appointing a specific kind of location. You must go to this location for this meeting. I always am a believer of that. If you just want something, then you'll find a way. So it, I, I personally think it would be nice to just have some downtime by myself as well. Not no offense to my husband and my two dogs either. Like I would love to have them there. But, you know, if there were days where I'm on an exhibit by myself, I really didn't mind uh, about that either. Uh, I think, yeah, the music part, I think that would be something that's nice to have for me. I, I actually graduated with a BA in visual arts, so I was technically trained as a painter. But, you know, I, I didn't I didn't go down that career path, but my my paint palettes and those kind of stuff would be kind of your, your therapeutic uh, guitar, the same concept of that. So having that for me would be very important. And I recently just uh, moved houses. So I think that really uh, um, questioned me as well. Like, what did I find as being the most important thing that I need in my new house? You know, uh, apart from the essential stuff like a table and my computer and stuff. And it's super weird, but I was never a big um, lover for cooking food at all. It kind of just came after being stuck at home and I'm like, it's much cheaper. I can get get to eat a bit healthier and things like that. My condiment stand is probably something I would want. 
when I'm kind of trapped anywhere. So whatever they feed me, you know, they might feed me something that they consider very nice, but I need my salt, I need my paprika, I need my, you know, I need my stuff there. And it, it does, it definitely gives me a very strong sense of reassurance. And I love, I love staring at my condiment stand right now, even if I'm not cooking anything, it feels like there is like opportunity to cook new stuff. You're like, oh, I have that. I have my olive oil. I have my butter. I have all these things here already. So it's kind of weird, but I never realized that until recently I moved and I got myself a condiment stand. I'm like, this is it. This is the thing I need in my life. Starting from now on, <laughs> it has to be there. <laughs> so here's the question then. You get one condiment. Which one do you choose? Hmm. <laughs> That is that is a very hard one, but I think what I would choose is I don't know if you guys you guys probably have it as well, but I don't know if you enjoy it or if you had it in the same way. But this Thai spice sauce thingy that's for chicken essentially. It's a bottle. It's a glass bottle. It has a chicken on top, and it's this gel-looking thing with with um, pieces of uh, uh, chili spices in there. It tastes like a sweet and sour sauce. But it's just essentially for chicken. But I, I have it with everything. That would probably be my go-to. As long as I have that, I'm pretty okay. <laughs> nice. We, we've actually had this conversation many times. My, my kids, they, they've done their rankings of what's the best condiment, which one is the number one. And um, my, my youngest would say ranch dressing is his number <laughs> one. And probably sour cream is a close second. <laughs> Those are his favorites right now. You know, as he gets older, who knows, but... You can use ranch dressing on on anything. Yeah. 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 Really? I've seen people dip pizza in ranch dressing, which seems yeah. strange, but yeah. I actually do that too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, some condiments can make a big difference, right? If you've got if they're giving you food and maybe it's it's okay, but you know, a little a little bit of your yeah, Thai spice sauce on top would make a big difference. We'll spice it up a little. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's hard to know, you know, what kind of food would they give you, right? Mm-hmm. Are they gonna are they even gonna understand the concept of food like we understand it like is that you know because they kind of just smell it or do they they kind of like look at it do they have taste buds or do they just consume things just for energy you know like they just give you your nutrient block and then that's it it's not very tasty yeah right exactly they're like what's the difference it's all (laughs) it'll keep them alive it's it's got all the things they need in it it's just not very tasty yeah who knows right or would they even eat I mean, aliens. Who knows, right? They could be they they could photosynthesize, and that's how they get energy. Like, they might not even understand what what we're doing, putting these things inside of ourselves, right? It could be true. True. It's interesting. I last week I, I interviewed a couple of horror writers, and 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 to prepare for that, I read a short story, and uh, it was interesting. Because it was the prequel, this this Gary Hill wrote a prequel to War of the Worlds. So you're familiar with War of the Worlds, aliens come and they invade Earth, and they're pretty much going to take it over, and then they fall, they fall victim to our, our natural occurring bacteria. So they die. But uh, he wrote the prequel that these aliens came from another planet that was becoming inhospitable, uh, and, and they did their research and they found that Earth would be the most suitable. So their initial intent was to come and peacefully coexist with us here on Earth. Uh, and um, owing to the way we are as a species, the fact that we're warlike and, and, and we wouldn't accept them, they decided they'd have to invade. And that was the prequel. And I thought that was really interesting, kind of explaining why they they came here and they invaded us because they couldn't trust us. Interesting. Interesting. You know, these sidebar conversations with what you brought up. Um, Which is really the goal, is to create lots of little sidebars yes. and tangents. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but the whole uh, alien uh, thing, is, as I said, it, it, it's. Um, I interviewed. I also interviewed a, a, a young woman who was out was on Mount Shasta, which supposedly is a very powerful spiritual place, and she was very very sick, and and she was abducted by uh, an alien from a, a. They took her on the ship. And they cured her, and they brought her back. 
and and she's as regular and down to earth and sane. As she's down they, to earth now that they sent her back, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she wrote a book about something about a journey to tell us. I'm looking to see if I have it up there. Uh, but uh, absolutely believable, you know, uh, absolutely believable. And so your your question, uh, the more I think about it, Scott, uh, is very profound because it could be very true. Well, it's it's kind of weird because it, you know, aliens coming to the Earth feels in some ways like it's never going to happen. Obviously, that's impossible. Like, not impossible, but like very unlikely it's not going to happen. But at the same time, it feels like, well, I mean, the universe is so big, it's, it's almost inevitable that there is life somewhere and it's going to find us or we'll find it. And so somehow in my head, it's simultaneously impossible and inevitable, which I guess doesn't really make a lot of sense. But Do, do you guys... Uh... Here we're gonna branch off. Um, maybe they were here uh, a long time ago, because um, you know, I, I in my first novel actually I, I did some research. I, I don't know if it's Machu Picchu or Peru or someplace in South America, but uh, and also uh, in Egypt with some of the the, the pyramids the, and such. Yeah, uh, some of the things that were built back then was before the wheel. So in Peru, some of the, whether it's the Mayan, some of the things that were built, and there are uh, runes uh, around, were built way before the wheel. So the question, the question remains, how did these uh, ancient peoples carry some of these hundreds of tons blocks up a mountain without a wheel? So it leads you to believe that they had some help. Some help. Alien or help. or my, my feeling on some of the stuff when you're looking way back in history and we say, we don't understand what, how did this happen, what happened, is maybe we just don't know, right? We're missing some key piece of, oh, well, if we'd known that this was going on or that this thing was there, if we'd found that, we would have understood. But maybe we just, there's some there's some obvious explanation and we just, don't have the information because there's so much from history that we're just, I mean, I don't want to say guessing per se. It's educated guessing, but it's a lot of guessing, right? A lot of assumptions. So, yeah, but but who knows, right? They could we have had know. help. That's yeah, we don't know. And that's it. the whole thing. We don't know. But there's little there's little snippets of, of, of information that comes along. A lot of it mm -hmm. gets gobbled up by governments. And, 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 you know, they don't want to share it with the general population. I'm glad they don't. Um, uh, you know, I want to be left in the dark. <laughs> you just want to root for the Rutgers and pretend like there's no aliens, I've done a bunch of paranormal as a journalist. I, I didn't ask for this, but I've done a bunch of paranormal uh, investigations. And, thing, and I write about it. Uh, uh, I explain it. Uh, and there are things that, that happened um, that's inexplicable. And, and I lived it. I, again, I'm just a regular guy, you know, a uh, big fan of Iowa women's basketball. That's about as regular a guy as you can get. But yet I've, I've been, I guess, gifted that I've, I've had some of these paranormal. And in all the paranormal things that I've done, uh, I make it perfectly clear and I say it out loud so that if there's a spirit out there, I say it out loud. You can do stuff. You can move things. Uh, but do me a favor. Don't, uh, and I'm quoting Ghostbusters now, don't become a vaporous uh, apparition. I don't want to see you. I don't need to see you. And the same thing goes for an alien. You know, you want to do stuff. You want to move things around. You want to, you know, you want to move my clock ahead. You want to turn the lights on and off in the room. Go right ahead. You want to. Hey, listen, I, I have a picture of a relative there that jumped out of a picture, and I read about it, jumped out of a picture, uh, uh, and typed on my phone, well, she typed mom, because it's my mother, who's gone, and, and, and I've asked a, a million techie people, how did, who typed that? You know, who, who typed that? So the point being, what you said, Scott, is we don't know. We're smart. We've got AI. We've got AI coming down the road, but we don't know. So once again, going back to your original question, 
It's a really valid question because we don't know. Yeah, certainly possible. I think Calvin raised like three really cool stuff that just, you know, kind of like, I was like, hmm, 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 hmm. But like one thing is, I don't know if it's a coincidence or if, you know, you guys are aware, I don't think you guys are, but August during these few days, it is a kind of a spiritual week here in uh, Asian communities. So you would see a lot of people burning um, what you would see as paper, but they're kind of representative of like offerings and stuff in front of their houses or their villages and things like that. So I've been... I've been, you know, and then obviously mass media takes advantage of that as well. So there's a lot of like spiritual paranoia shows going on. So I've been like being bombarded with a lot of that as well. So I don't know, that might be a cool note for you guys. August around this time, because we run on a different calendar when it comes to festivals, which are, you know, from the lunar calendar. So it would be kind of considered July in the Asian sense. That's kind of the ghost month where supposedly, you know, the spirits come back and then they're, they're not trying to haunt you, but they're trying to come back and do stuff kind of like, you know, we're traveling, they're traveling as well. They're just traveling. This is their month. But anyways, you know, that's the paranoia part that I, uh, I picked up on um, a coincidence here uh, as well, the timing wise. And when you're talking about uh, the pyramids and things, I again, I watched another show on Netflix, but I think what it was, it's it, it, they raise a really good point. It, you know, like you said, we just don't know. But I really think like it's not that we don't know. It's people are not trying to let us know. There are people who knows, but we just don't know. The, the kind of the idea that they're raising there is that there is literally a chunk of history that's been missing. And the reason for that is because that chunk of history doesn't match up with what traditional archaeologists wants us to believe. We didn't actually start, we did start off from perhaps from evolution from primates, but that was way, way ago. That is longer than what archaeologists claim. And in the middle of it, there's this chunk of time where we actually know a lot of different technology and things. We knew how to wash the tide, nature, you know, we just knew how to use all that stuff. And then we built a lot of amazing things. And then there was an asteroid and then we all died. So supposedly that's what they're claiming. There's this big chunk of time where we evolved, whether it be Mayans or Atlantis or whatever it is. And then some sort of uh, catastrophic um, destruction came and then those people all died in order to have a better storytelling so that we make ourselves feel very happy that we're intelligent and evolved, that chunk has just been removed so that the story lines up. It wasn't like we were great, we all died, and then we start from the beginning because that's not a like, nice story, right? So I actually believe in that quite a bit as well. Obviously, I just watched one show and did you know a little bit of research, but I think it's more about that. You know, If it doesn't line up, it's because somebody deliberately removed something because it didn't fit their story. So I, I don't think it's because we don't know. We do, but we don't want people to know. I don't know, but that's that's my idea. Maybe. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't know, yeah. You know, it's just like not too long ago, we didn't understand why people got sick. We didn't know about germs. We didn't understand any of that stuff, right? And now we do. So there's a lot of things uh, about the world that we don't... I mean, we don't even know what we don't know yet, right, about the world. We didn't know that we didn't know about germs because <laughs> we didn't know about them. And so looking backwards, you know, there's probably lots of things we don't know about the past, just like there are lots of things we don't know about the future. And, you know, we're always learning new things about the past, you know, things that we we thought we knew and then we find out we didn't really know. Like, like when we first started finding dinosaur bones, you know, we had a lot different idea about what dinosaurs looked like than the current idea dinosaurs definitely don't look like dinosaurs that's what i think because if you imagine a whale died and then the whale species is uh, is this extinction and then the decades years after they find all the fossils and all that and they're like they're okay this is it looks like. it, they're not going to again it's a lot of educated guessing yeah you know making the best deductions you can with the information we have but well it's changed a lot even in my lifetime right they used to be the you know the terrible lizard dinosaur right that and then they looked very lizard like and now they talk about you know they they may look more more bird like they're mm. more more related to chickens probably than they used to be you know thought of so they they definitely changed with their yeah theories scott if you ever want to get a deeper discussion about dinosaurs my sister-in-law is a paleontologist so ooh, there we go so I can get you. She'd probably be happy to come we on. We can here. talk about dinosaurs. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you can definitely get her on. So Jurassic Park. Listen, they're growing, they're growing chicken in test tubes. In in five years, you're going to be able to go to the supermarket and buy chicken from a test tube. But will it taste like chicken? 
Everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> well, uh, it's chicken. Genetically, it's chicken. They're just—they're uh, just growing it. So it may be. It, what I'm trying to say is, we don't know, and 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 we could we could maybe give birth to to dinosaurs again somehow with you know if we can find some with, with the way they did it in jurassic park right yeah some, find some dna somewhere i mean it's yeah. theoretically possible what they were saying find yeah, a, a bug that, that had some blood and get the dna and yeah right if they can find it and, and they can find that dna they can make that in the lab we could see dinosaurs again theoretically yeah it's maybe yep. possible yep by the way uh you, you were talking about music. That going back to your original question, that would be something else. It was a great answer that you, yeah. you got to have with you. Um, For uh, sure, you, uh, absolutely. And, and uh, I write a lot about the fact that in, in certain times of my life, periods of my life, I would go through uh, weeks and maybe months of just listening to my '60s music incessantly to occupy the mind to keep it busy and that helped me get through whatever crisis that I was in. I, I, I had to have my uh, music. And if we didn't have music, we would just be singing and making music anyways. I feel yeah, like it's, even it's, if we had well, no instruments, no nothing, we'd be banging on the ground and we'd be making music somehow. Right. It would happen. Scott and I'd be driving you guys crazy. If you were in the same enclosure with us by constantly yeah, yeah. drumming sure. or whistling or singing something constantly. Yeah. I mean, I already do that and I have instruments around. So <laughs> I, same for me. What 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 are some of your favorite musicians out there in Iowa? Oh, I don't. I just took my kids to go see a, a concert. We just went to uh, to Council Bluffs. The uh, Mega Monsters tour was coming through, uh -huh. so I just took the kids. The kids and I all went to go see a couple of my favorite bands. So, so you don't get Springsteen coming out there, do you? Not too often. I have seen Springsteen though when he did his re. I guess his kind of reunion tour okay. with the E Street Band. Okay. And when I lived, I used to live in Memphis, Tennessee, and okay. then he came through Memphis, and so okay. I went down there and saw him. So yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah. What What music would you have to take with you though, Scott? Like, if you could only be limited, like that's mm, like the old question. Like, if you're stuck know. on a desert island, you can only take like five artists. Who would you take? Oh, that's a good question. Good question. Um. Well, which ones do I listen to the most? I could just look at Spotify and see what my top ones are. <laughs> That's cheating. That's cheating. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Reliant K would be on there, probably. Ooh. Reliant K. Cake. Oh, yeah, Cake's good. Uh, who else do I listen to quite a bit? Uh, the Flowbots. <laughs> Nobody knows who they are, I'm sure. Uh, I listen to a lot of We the Kingdom. Greta Van Fleet, Nirvana, Audio Slave. Uh, I don't know. There's a. I have a big variety. I don't have like entire albums on. You know, like I, I listen to generally. Mm -hmm. I've got two songs from these people, and a couple songs from those people, and a couple songs from there. So I have kind of a wide variety of tastes. Um, I take this blues artist Howlin' Wolf. That would be a guy I take with me. I kind of learned about him a few years ago. He's kind of back in the '60s. You know, kind of kind of later blues so I, definitely he'd be on my he's in my top five list for sure yeah he's got, the nice. great, got this great voice what are there is there a good uh hong kong band that we probably don't know about that we should listen to joyce any recommendations I mean, for us there's a lot of really good hong I'm kong sure there's bands, a ton, yeah and i feel <laughs> like i'm too yeah i'm like too old to even comment on it like you yeah. know i don't even know what the young people are listening to anymore they're on tv they look great they play good music no clue who they are i don't know um but which is interesting as well as you guys mentioned because i i've never i've visited the states i've never lived in the states so i would say that's very very different a lot of the the references that you guys made, i have no clue about but I, that's what the things i would go back to the show for and research and look into it i've never been to iowa either i grew up in vancouver so the closest place for me to visit was like LA but I did the whole touristy thing so I think it's not really authentic but because I was, I was a dancer we and I did hip-hop so obviously my mm. playlist is all hip-hop music and if I only had to choose if I can only choose one it's definitely gonna be J. Cole which is kind of weird as well because like I'm this little like Asian girl from Hong Kong and my choice would be J. Cole while you guys are like oh we'll choose Nirvana or blues and I'm like I'm gonna choose J. Cole uh, <laughs> yeah well in yeah. Vancouver you're that's close to Seattle you'd think you'd be into the grunge stuff <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, I don't know why it didn't. Awesome. I, I did it. Um, but yeah, I was definitely a big, you know, into hip hop a lot. So, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I, I don't I can't recall any of the names because I'm just not I don't know. I don't I don't have it in my head. But, you know, sure. all of the original samples of the people of the music that they've sampled are probably the music that I should be taking because they sampled from those music. So it's probably the music yeah, yeah. from the 50s and 60s. I don't know who they are, but those would probably be the ones that would keep me going if I was ever in a stranded island or wherever isolated, because then I'll be like, oh, that reminds me of that song. Oh, they sampled from that song. It's just like this interesting conversation I can have uh, in my mind based on these music. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like for sure. Yeah. How much uh, how how much space do you think you would need? Considering I'm from Hong Kong, not a lot because <laughs> I'm <laughs> I don't have a lot of space to start off with. I mean, yeah, uh, it depends what you're used to, right? For sure. <laughs> I would love to have more space, but the only thing is, you know, once you have more space, there's a lot more cleaning to do. Um, and I am maybe very they kind would. Of, I mean, you're in a zoo. Maybe they come in and clean your enclosure. I mean, I don't know, right? The animals don't clean their own spaces in the zoos, right? Yeah, yeah that's another thing as well. I watched a show um, recently where they have, uh, they showcase this aquarium, like their day-to-day, -day, how they kind of clean out their stuff. They have this whole like basement area. It's just full of poop and they kind of clean it out every single week. But anyways, that, that's not kind of a, another story. But I'm not trying to be mean here. I noticed that, you know, I am the one with the long hair and all that. And we have two lovely bald gentlemen here. So, you know, you would not know how much hair I have to clean on a daily basis. So yeah. I'm just, you know, shredding and then I have two dogs. So there's just fur everywhere. It's kind of like, you know, in the in the old movies where you have all these just hair and stuff flying around. So, you know, they could be cleaning my my area or my captivity zone or whatever, but I'll still be having hair around. So that's an issue for me. <laughs> well, well, we have two dogs, but they're both doodles. So there's no shedding. Yeah. It's really nice. Um, and I don't, are... I don't shed. So. You don't shed, yeah. <laughs> My husband and I both have long hair, so we're both, like, it's just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about your pet? Would you, want, would you want to be able to have a pet in the zoo? Would you want your dog, Scott, speaking of dogs? I mean, I, I have a dog. I'd kind of like to have a pet. So do you think that's allowed? Because I, I can't – I was trying to think earlier if there are any zoo situations where they have animals – in the enclosure with other animals. I was having trouble. I, I knew there must they do. be. They do but. sometimes. They do sometimes mix up some of the animals that get along well together. Yeah. That would make would sense. They, would they let us have pets? I mean, if they're if they're doing a zoo of Earth, then they're going to have animals in it too, right? Not just people. We're just going to be another one of the things in the zoo, so... Are you suggesting the zoo is, an, is the Earth is a zoo? Is that what you're suggesting? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't so, know. That was my joke about earlier when I said that we're already living in a zoo. Mm -hmm. Right. Well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we mentioned COVID and not being able to leave home and go out and and yeah. depending on where you live, that was more or less strict. Um, we weren't really that strict here in Iowa, but. It, some people might feel like that was a similar kind of thing, right? Yeah. Except without somebody observing you. It, it was to, it really was incarceration, and and as far as the observation go, we weren't that far away from 1984, George Orwell. You know, you got Zoom, you're sitting in front of Zoom, you're doing your stuff like we're doing right here. Uh, it's not that far removed. Uh, I would hope that we would have an ample amount of space, like they put. You know, they put lions and tigers in, in big caged areas that they can roam around. So I, I would hope that the, the prison setting for us would have us have some gardens and, and just be this pretty big under you know, glass. Uh, I would hope and expect that. If they're that smart, they would want to, whatever they want to use this for, maybe amusement, they would want us to be comfortable and in, in kind of like our native uh, habitat. Yeah, and I guess the observing thing is another interesting question, right? Like, so let's say we've got the space, we've, we can interact with people, we've got our instruments, we got all our pet, all the things that we want. How weird would it be to know that they're, like, we're there for them to watch? And how much would that change your, you know, what you do? It could be hugely different, yeah. I think it would change it, you know, enormously. I mean, being the idea that you're being watched or somehow observed or knowing, I guess, knowing that you're being watched or observed. 
Right, because if you didn't know about it, then it wouldn't it wouldn't really matter, right? No, right. Go about it all the time, just like normal. But, but yeah, not yeah. But if you're if you know you're being watched, I mean, then you change how you act, you change your interactions. You know, I don't know what that would do if it was long term. Would that change? Like, would you just eventually get used to it and just go on about your business like you normally do, or would that not make any difference? Yeah, you'd probably get used to it, I suppose. I don't know. You know, I mean, again, back to like being in prison, right? I mean, they're they're pretty open a lot of times. It depends where you are, but kind of the stereotypical prison, which is the bars on the cell, and you know people can see you. So um, I don't know if that's a thing you get used to or what. Yeah, you probably get used to it because you know, like you you know that somebody's watching. But the first instance of being looked at or what we call like gazed at uh, that's a thing that came from the whole the whole visual arts thing has this mentality as well the gaze or a lot of the times it's like male gaze or the female gaze when you're looking at a painting you know they try to mimic it as though you're gazing at it how would that person kind of react that that's a, another story but like that, that that's a there's a whole theory and this whole idea behind the gaze and what it kind of triggers so from from that i would say you would your initial way of action and what you do would have been changed and then throughout time you would think that that's natural to you but it's actually not because it was affected by the gaze so yeah i mean like uh, considering that i live in hong kong as well my neighbor is right there like i could walk by and I, I know exactly what he's doing because we're so close and if you were to ask me those people who live close to you know the highways or the roads and things like that i would assume that they already have naturally kind of change their way because they know there is potentially a gaze right is that something they would naturally do if they were uh, in in their in their home and placing their furnitures i would assume not so i think it, it definitely has that um effect on it considering what you've mentioned as well with the whole gaze and the whole space idea well and you were saying before that you you wanted some some alone time some alone space as well um, in some ways, what you really mean is you want some privacy, mm -hmm. right? You want yeah. a place where you can go and people wouldn't be seeing you and interacting with you. Yes. And I just thought, Cam, going back to the end of the first episode again, one thing that nobody mentioned was a, a toilet, a space to go to the bathroom. <laughs> we were, it came up that it would, would it be, um, really nice if you never had to go to the bathroom? How, how would that change the world? But, um, yeah, that's the thing you would want some privacy, right? For Definitely. a bathroom, for changing, like you're being observed, like you want some privacy space, I would assume. Because in a in a zoo, the animals don't really have generally a, a private space they can go to. But would that would that again going back to that question, would that be considered a zoo anymore, right? Because we're there to look at you. Then well, they're there to look at us and say, "I want to well, see everything." And even if you have some private space and they're not observing you, the the, the guests at the zoo. Are the zookeepers still going to want to be able to observe that area? I would assume. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like medical stuff or like, we you know, we have to daily mm -hmm. check your poop just to make sure you're healthy for our exhibit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, if it has to be a zoo, I would imagine there is no, like you said, that's a great question that you raise as well. Is it privacy? Is it, is, is it the same idea of privacy? Is it going to be the same kind of concept where we have boundaries is that the idea or is it not really that anymore what so-called privacy is just like a nice word that they're throwing around we're giving our animals the human beings some sort of privacy but you know they're looking through every single thing anyways and, and do aliens even understand the concept of privacy or like clothing or do they would they see us wearing clothing and think that's for warmth we'll just make their area warm enough they don't need clothes and we don't have to give them clothes we'll make it the right temperature you know, mm -hmm. are they going to understand the idea of that? I don't know. If they're completely new to the planet, I would imagine them being super confused. Like, you know, there's people here in Hong Kong wearing long sleeves when like you guys would probably be here like wanting to wear nothing because it's humid sure. and hot. And then there's nude beaches, right? Like people picking not to wear anything in front of everybody and people are having fun. They're definitely going to be super confused. Like these are the same species. Their DNA is the same. Their skin color is slightly different. But like these people love to wear clothes. These people hate to wear clothes. Like is that a different exhibit? This is like the nude zone. And then this is like right. the, the people who need their long sleeves. And then this is the place where they need their fur or whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they'll start categorizing us 
based on what apparels we decide to do. They love their varsity uh, uh, um, jerseys and all that kind of stuff. And then you guys go in there. I don't know. I'm just making yeah. this up. But maybe it's that. Maybe that's the way they categorize us afterwards. Instead of maybe our skin color, our ethnicity, our religion, and other that's other true. stuff. It might just be, you know, they yeah. wear hats. Maybe, yeah, be closed humans and not closed humans. You know, you'd see the different ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's that. Who knows? My theory is if they if they got here, if they got here from wherever they and had the wherewithal to get here, they're smart enough to understand all of this, and they would make the right kind uh, of accommodations. Uh, Potentially, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would hope so. Or they'll just ask AI. So they'll come and they'll ask AI, oh, they built this thing, let's ask that thing. <laughs> They probably know better than us, which I don't know. Like, what's what are you? What are your experiences with you know just using AI? I the first thing I did with AI is I asked if the AI knew who I was, and because of the content I put online all the time based on my job, they did know who I was, which was quite fascinating. Joyce saying is a content I haven't, marketer. I haven't thought to do that yet. I haven't thought to ask it who I was. You should definitely do that. One of the things that I've done with AI is so I have my YouTube channel. I do puzzles and stuff. And I actually did a video where I asked ChatGPT, I tried to have it solve a Wordle. Ah. Um, it, it, it failed pretty badly. It, mm. uh, it doesn't understand letters and that a word is made up of, you know, a block of letters. It just knows a word as a word. It mm. knows, you know, Steve <laughs> is word number 8,672. It doesn't know that it's S-T-E-V-E, -E, right? It doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't understand the concept of letters. It was really interesting. It would. It seems so smart sometimes, and then, you know, if you know how Wordle works, basically we'd we'd put in a word and then it would show up and it would say, "Oh, there's a yellow A at the beginning of the word." So I'd tell it that, which means the A is not the first letter, yeah. and then it would come back and say, "Oh, well, you should guess Apple because it has an A and not at the beginning of the word." I'm like, "Well, Apple. it clearly has an A at the beginning <laughs> of the word." So. Yeah. It was just interesting how it was so smart in some areas and it's just so dumb in others. Yeah. Yeah. And then I asked it to play Hangman, which of course, again, it has some trouble with the letters, but uh, I told it, I, I, it understood the rules. I made sure it knew the rules to Hangman. I said, you pick a word and then I'll guess, right? And so I start guessing and I can't figure out what this word is. I'm getting letters figured out. And eventually just by lucky guesses, I got all the letters figured out. No idea what this word is. And it says, oh, the answer was, and it gives me the word, and then it says, which is, and it gives me a definition. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then I Googled it and looked it up. Couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> so I went back and said, um, I, went, I don't remember what, I just basically I questioned it. I said, um, what is that? You know, what is this word? And then it said, oh, I'm sorry, my mistake. Yeah. That's actually not a word. What? The, the AI hallucination <laughs> comes in. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. so they weird. It tricked you. <laughs> so, so it cheated, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, it cheated. It hangman. Basically, yeah, it cheated. Well, what's funny is it said, this is this is a word and this is the definition. I said, uh, what is that? And it's like, <laughs> oh, oops, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I, I had AI do a, a bio. Uh, there's, there's three that I use, ChatGPT, Bard, and there's one other, I, I forget. Um, but I, I asked it to do a bio. I just did it the other day, and it spit out a long bio. A fairly, uh, fairly is the key word, fairly accurate bio, except it had me writing four books in, instead of two, uh, and it had me having two sons instead of one. It's just looking into the future, <laughs> to when you've had two more books and another son. I don't think so. I don't think so. But um, Reinventing after 60, I mean, come on. You're... <laughs> It's funny, George, you said you were from Vancouver. My AI connection is a philosophy professor in Vancouver. Right. And we had met on, on LinkedIn, and, and, and we struck up a really nice friendship. He's the one who built that robot that uh, is self-aware. It's the world's first and I think only self-aware robot. But he's, he's, um, he's Vancouver, and we get together every two, three weeks, and on air, and we talk about all these different uh, AI subjects because uh, it fascinates. And, and I brought up and talked to him about it. And in 1964, Arthur Clarke 
who wrote 2001, which came out in the late 60s that was directed by Stanley Kubrick, uh, he warned, Arthur Clarke warned us in 1964 uh, about uh, AI and, and those kind of things taking us over. And by the way, watch this. Uh, again, a permutation of your original question, Scott. Uh, uh, we're saying, uh, you know, aliens, but uh, AI can come along and take us over and be an alien. Yeah, in a sense, yep. Yeah. Or or you could go with something like uh, the book The Sphere by Michael Crichton. I don't know if you guys have read that, but they think there's aliens, and it turns out it's us from the future who have time-traveled back. So that's always a possibility too, right? <laughs> yeah. So alien is a kind of a funny word. It could, it could mean a lot of different things. That's true. You know, alien uh, really just means foreign right or yeah not absolutely not from here yet. scott you're gonna have to put the you're gonna have to put the spoiler alert on there for anybody who hasn't read the sphere before you post this <laughs> the sphere the book from 40 years ago yeah <laughs> michael crichton's got a, he's got a lot of yeah maybe not quite 40 but michael crichton's probably my favorite author so big fan of his stuff yeah we were talking about Jurassic Park earlier. That's another Michael Crichton one so and we almost had the andromeda strain yeah this is the kind of thing that he would write about actually yeah uh, now another thing that I noticed nobody has mentioned: Would you want? Would you ask for things if they said, "What do you want in your zoo enclosure?" Right? They're, the aliens ask you. Nobody asked for anything that would help them escape. I, I had thought about that. I was going to ask about a, a cake with a file in it. Can I have that so I could escape? Like you know, the old movies. I had thought about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we said we wanted connections with other people, and I feel like to coordinate. You know, they've come down. They've attacked us. They've put us in zoos. I want the stuff that I need so we can mount some sort of escape or attack to take back control. Yeah. I, I also immediately went to a, a bed. Can I have a bed? Because I've got a couple of places to sleep. So. so you're thinking of how to escape. I'm thinking how to make my stay more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. And that's the, there's kind of two ways to look at it, right? Because cause if, you're, if you're trying to escape, you're probably not going to be as comfortable. No. Right, you're if you just accept it and be comfortable, you're probably going to live a lot better. So maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. Right? Ignorance is bliss, like we said before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it depends on you know your status and how you're living. Not to try and get into socio-political ideas here, but like how you were living before the aliens came. Right? If you're having a really well-off life, you're driving everywhere, you're rich, and you have a lot of disposable income to buy stuff, then yeah, you're definitely the one who's going to think about escaping. But I saw that, again, you know, this is probably going to be like the thing that it's going to uh, upcome in the show for me a lot. I saw the show. Joyce is the girl who always says, I saw the show. We, we did that a lot on the previous episodes, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. This um, has been a common theme on this show yeah, in general. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I saw the show. <laughs> um, about jails around the world, right? Like, and there, there's this jail in, uh, I think, somewhere in like Norway or Sweden, you know, the happy, happiest place on earth. And their jail is like, me and my husband were like, you know, like, I wouldn't mind living there. Like, yeah, I, I'm stripped of my freedom, but they get their own kitchen, they get activities, they're, you know, they have a healthy schedule. Obviously, we're not looking to commit crime, but, you know, if, you're, if your comfort level of being captivated is more or less the same of how you were living before being captivated, then you don't really, I would go for what Cam just mentioned, like just trying to make myself at home. But if the, if the distance between the two qualities of life is very vast, then I would definitely think about escaping. So to answer your question, if there is that white picket fence in a little house, I'd probably be really happy staying there because I don't have a picket white fence and I don't mind yeah. having a little house. So, yeah, it really depends on the status that you were beforehand to answer that escape or non-escape question, I think. For sure. And it's kind of, I mean, that's sort of the premise of the show. Conversely, the reason it's conversely is different converse backgrounds, converse opinions, because depending on your approach so again back to the the first episode where cam and i were we asked people we did a would you rather and we said would you rather never have to eat or never have to sleep and we all had different opinions a lot of most of us preferred not to sleep because we would have more time to get things done but that i realized after the fact um i had some comments from people that watched the the video clip with that and it never even occurred to i think any of us none of, none of us mentioned it anyways one person said well 
I would prefer to not have to eat because I'm from the Ukraine and we're in a war right now and I don't, I can't afford food. And so if I didn't have to eat, it would save me a ton of money. And I was like, wow, I never even, it never even yeah. occurred to me that like, oh, it would save you money by not having to eat. We were like, oh, we want more time to do yeah. things because we're so busy, you know, but your, mm. your approach and where you're from, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. That would really make a big difference depending on your background and what your situation is currently. So yeah, definitely in this tons of people, it'd probably be much better for them. Yeah. You're, you're providing a house for me. You're giving me food. You're probably cleaning things. You're, you know, you're keeping, you're doing all the medical tests and keeping me healthy. And yeah, this is great. You know, I think it was insightful what Joyce said about where you were at, like how close it is to the way you live now. And, you know, if it's better or worse than your current station and, and where you're at in life, you know, makes a big impact on whether or not you would want to escape or not. I mean, that's something I hadn't thought about, but it does make a lot of sense that you have a pretty comfortable life or if it's better than what you have right now, then yeah, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to escape. I mean, if you got your blues music, then yeah, what else? Get a house, a dog, <laughs> cat, three squares a day. What more can you ask for? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to see the the comments too on this uh, episode to see, because everybody's going to have a different approach, I think, based on their background and, 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 and also based on your assumptions of what this zoo would be like, right? Is it, is it like you're in a little cage with nothing? Is it uh, a nice house and stuff? Um, is it like they've walled in a city? Yeah, what's it like? And, and speaking of comments on the episode, I'll mention that uh, I did create a Reddit forum for this this show. So there's a different page for every episode. So if people want to go discuss it, they should go there. You can find all the links to everything at conversely.fm. So I'll plug that. Well, I think uh, speaking of bed, Cam, it's getting late in the evening for some people. Just start in the morning for some people. I might go back <laughs> to bed, actually. You might go back to bed. There you go. That works, too. Yeah. Yeah, my, my son came home from school. They just started school this, this last just a few days ago. So it's pretty new going back to school. And he came home, and a couple hours later, he comes downstairs. He's like, I just took an hour and a half nap on accident. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's tired. He's doing a lot of stuff that he's not used to doing. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. valid. Wake up and go back to sleep. Why not? But uh, yeah, so any any final thoughts on what you'd want? Any last things you thought of that you said, oh, wait, I, I definitely want my teddy bear or whatever. I don't know, something that you forgot. How about an option to um, leave after six months? If it's not to my liking, just let me go and become a farmer, raise some corn. Become a stray? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, if it doesn't work out, give me my freedom. I actually live right next to this botanical zoo garden thing here in Hong Kong, which is kind of rare because uh, I'm like kind of out there in the suburb kind of area that's like further out. And I live in a village house. That's why I said I, I have a little place. Um, I'm not rich, so it's not like that kind of house. It's just a village house. But in any case, uh, recently a lizard actually ran out from their from its captive. He, he went on a trip on his own. So he was just like, I'm going to go out here. Peace, guys. And then he came back just yesterday. And he's like, I'm back. I, I miss my friends. So that was pretty cool, too. Like uh, in Hong Kong, it happens quite often because it's so close to the city. There's ways for them to kind of get out and just take a little trip. And then they're like, I'm coming back because, you know, like you've mentioned, people feed me. It's clean. They have their friends there. Like they have, he, he actually uh, in the in the media coverage said the lizard came back and re reunited with his tortoise best friend. So it was yeah. a nice story, right? Nice. So I guess that would be something that's kind of neat too. If you're kind of a, a, a in captive or in the zoo, you get to go out sometime, but the under the premise that you will come back for your network of community or whatever. I think that that was pretty that was pretty cool. Maybe that could be something that might happen if we were a captive in a zoo. Like, did you know about that human <laughs> Scott? Like, he ran out just seven days ago, and now he's back re reunited with his best friend Cam. Right? That's a cool came story. Back for some nachos. <laughs> yeah, I came back for the blues, and then you know, jamming yeah. music. You know, he couldn't find the blues music out there, and he came back. I don't know, but that that's kind of cool. Like, if you get that as well, like just cool stories. Um, yeah, we kind of have that here with you know cats and dogs typically. Uh, you know, somebody's cattle run away and they'll say, well, he'll come back in a couple days when he gets hungry. Yeah. That's usually the comment. He'll come back when he gets hungry, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it'll probably be the same thing. Yeah, Scott will come back when he gets hungry. It, it won't take long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the food. Going back to the food question again. <laughs> For sure, yeah. It always comes back to food, doesn't it? Yeah. It always does. Cool. 
Well, so let's, uh, Joyce, remind us again where people can find out more information about you, all the things. What's your website? Oh, my, my website is joyceandcontentmarketing.com. And I always say, if uh, I hopefully I did my SEO right, for those who are also in marketing, you should be able to find me if you just type in Joyce Sang, right? I should okay. be up there. And, <laughs> and the links will be in the show notes and all that stuff. So there'll be a link down there so people can find it wherever. Depending on where people listen to the podcast, it always is in a little bit different spot or looks a little bit different. You know, when we're on YouTube, we always just say below the video. but Link in the description below. You know, yeah, yeah, description yeah. below. Yeah, but with podcasts, it could be anywhere. So in the show notes, link in the show notes to your stuff. So people should go check that out. And Calvin, your book is probably out when this episode goes up. If not, it's just about to come out. Yes, when this gets aired, uh, it's a tortoise in my hair. Journey Spirit will be on Amazon and Barnes & Noble will be everywhere. And you can find me uh, back. You can find me now at the end of September at CalvinSchwartz.com. I'm also on LinkedIn quite heavily. Uh, Calvin Schwartz on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, Cal Schwartz. So I'm um, I'm a social media guy. You're everywhere. Yeah. So there'll be all the links in the show notes to him too. And yep. and Cam, what what do we want to what do you want to tell people? What are you working on? Is I, anything- I did I did not play for the Anaheim Ducks. I guess that's the uh, that's going to be the thing for me because there's a hockey player <laughs> with the same name. If you if you Google Cam Fowler, that's what you're going to find is the pl- hockey player for the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. yeah. I did not win a gold medal at the in the U.S. Olympic team for hockey. So, yeah. <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us about your pinball machine? That's that's exciting. Oh yeah, I uh, recently I found a, a guide that was a great guide online, and there's a, a whole community of uh, virtual pinballers out there that are building these amazing cabinets uh, and recreating all these old pinball machines that uh, I grew up with a lot of them and love, and so I decided to build one myself. And there was a great guy. I wish I could think of his name so I could plug him, but he wrote a 1,200-page guide to building your own pinball machine, and it was indispensable and just amazing. So it's it's really a credit to what you get off the internet. Send me some pictures, and we'll put some pictures of his pinball machine okay. in the show notes as well. We'll I'll, put a link I'll, to some I'll, pictures. I'll send you out some. Sounds good. Very nice. Cool. All right, and of course, conversely.fm is where you can find all of the things for all of this stuff. And so I want to say thank you to all three of you. Appreciate you guys being here. And we'll uh, release you from your captivity now. <laughs> either either to bed or to, Back to bed. the day or maybe to bed. To yeah, bed. whatever. <laughs> or uh, to, to, to work if you're, if you're like me and you do most of your work late at night. <laughs> but cool. Thanks. for This was great. Yeah, lots of interesting great. stuff. Lots of things that I hadn't even thought about, which is always good. Converse ideas. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Everybody. Nice to meet you all. Bye. Bye. I mean, I don't know if you guys are fans of Netflix and stuff. Um, There's this show, but again, I watched another show on Netflix. I watched a show um, recently where they have, you know, this is probably going to be like the thing that it's going to upcome in the show. Joyce is the girl who always says, I saw the show. Well, don't worry. I definitely won't put a bunch of clips of you at the end of the episode saying, I saw this show. Yeah, I saw this show.